Hello, I'm Byron Reese with Kickohm. From ultra-low power devices using microcontrollers to complex applications using dedicated machine learning processors, AI runs on ARM. The AI revolution will transform every aspect of our future driven by disruptors like ARM and the bright minds featured on this Voices in AI podcast. Enjoy! This is Voices in AI, brought to you by GigaOM. I'm Byron Reese. I'm excited today. Our guest is Mike Tamir. He is the Chief Data Science Officer at TACT, and he's also a lecturer at the UC at UC Berkeley. Uh, if you do, if you look him up online and read what people have to say about him, uh, you notice that some really, really smart people say Mike is the smartest person they know, which uh, implies one of two things: either he really is that awesome or he has dirt on people and is not above using it to get good accolades. Welcome to the show, Mike. Mark Cuban uh, came to Austin, where we're based, and uh, gave a talk at South By, where he said uh, the first trillionaires are gonna be in artificial intelligence. And, and he said something very interesting. He said if he was gonna do it all over again, he'd study philosophy as an undergrad and then get into artificial intelligence. You studied philosophy at Columbia, is that true? I did, and I also I did a, my my graduate degree actually was uh, was a philosophy degree um, so, with uh, cross discipline uh, in in mathematics and physics. So how does that work? Like, what was your thinking way back in the day? Did you know you were going to end up where you were, and this was useful? Or tell me, just that's a pretty fascinating path. So I'm curious, like, what 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 changed from you know eighteen year old Mike to today? <laughs> Almost everything. Um, so yeah, I, I I think I could safely say I, I had no idea that I was going to be a data scientist when I went to grad school. In fact, I can safely say that um, that that the profession of data science didn't exist when I went to grad school. Um, I, I I did a sort of sort of uh, I think like a lot of people who uh, joined the joined the field uh, around when I did um, kind of became a data scientist by accident. Um, I, I, my, my degree, while it was philosophy, was fairly technical. It was the philosophy of physics and uh, more focused on mathematical physics. Uh, and I got into simulations and coding that way. And, uh, and you know, being, being located in the pit, I uh, had the benefit of, uh, of learning a little bit about machine learning uh, while I was doing that. Would you say, like, studying philosophy has helped you in your current uh, career at all? Or, I mean, I'm curious about that. Um, well, uh, I, I, I hope so. Um, it was uh, very much a focus in philosophy science. So I think back uh, all the time uh, when we are designing experiments, when we are um, putting together uh, different, uh, different tests for different, uh, di different machine learning algorithms. Um, I do think about what is a scientifically sound way of approaching it. Um, I, I, I don't know that necessarily, uh, you know, that, that's as much the physics background as it is the uh, philosophy background, uh, but it certainly does influence, uh, I'd say daily, what we do um, in, in our data science work. So, what about, but even, even being a physicist that got into machine learning, uh, how did that come about? Yeah, well, um, a lot of my, my, my graduate research uh, in physics was focused on um, you know, a, little, a little bit of general relativity, uh, but also a good deal of it was 
focused in um, in, uh, in uh, uh, quantum statistical mechanics, which uh, really involved um, doing simulations and uh, thinking about the world in terms of uh, lots of of random variables and, and unknowns and how that uh, that results in these um, these emergent patterns. And in a lot of ways, what we do uh, now, in fact, uh, um, Mark is actually writing a lot about renormalization group theory and how that um, that can be used as a tool for analyzing the effectiveness of deep learning. Um, there, there are a lot of uh, a, a lot of at least uh, at a high level um, similarities in trying to find those uh, those, those supervening patterns um, in in the signal. Uh, in machine learning and uh, some of the ways you might think about uh, uh, emergent phenomena in, in, uh, in, in uh, physical uh, statistical systems. Do you think intelligence, or certainly would an AGI be emergent, or is it, is it just nuts and bolts brute force? Is it going to be? <laughs> um, that's, a, that's, an, that's an important question. Uh, the, the more I find out about uh, Successes, at least the partial successes that can happen with uh, with deep learning and with trying to um, to recreate the, the sorts of sensitivities that um, that humans have with object recognition, with speech rec recognition, with uh, semantics, with um, uh, a general general natural language understanding. Um, the more sobering it is uh, thinking about what humans can do and, and what we do with our with our actual uh our our natural intelligence so to speak so do you do you think it's emergent <laughs> um you know i i uh i'm hesitant to commit uh, okay well I, let me I, ask I, a slightly it's, it's it's fair to say that that uh that there's something like emergence there so uh you, you, you know this subject, of course, a thousand times better than me, but my understanding of, of emergence is that there's two, two kinds. There's a weak kind and a strong one, and a weak one is where something happens that was kind of surprising, like you could study oxygen all your life and study hydrogen, but not kind of be able to realize, oh, you put that together and it's wet. And then there's strong emergence, which is something that happens that is not, that is actually not deconstructible down to its individual components. It's something that, uh, that, that you can't actually you can't actually get to by just building up. It's not reductionist. Um, do you think strong emergence exists? Yeah, that, that's a very good question and uh, one that I, I, I refuse to think about quite a bit. And uh, the answer, I, I, or my answer, I think would be um, it's not as stark as it might seem. Most cases of strong emergence that you might uh, that, that, that you might point to actually, um, it, it, there there are stories to tell where um, it, it's actually not as as uh, there's not as much of a category distinction or a non-reducible phenomenon um, as you might think, and uh, that goes for uh, things for, for for things as as well studied as. Um, as space transitions and, and criticality phenomenon uh, in, in the physics realm, uh, as it does possibly for uh, what we talk about when we talk about intelligence. I'll only ask you one more well, because I, I can. I, this is uh, this is a fascinating topic. I'll only ask you one more question, then we'll launch into AI. Do you have an opinion on whether consciousness is strongly a strong emergent for, uh, phenomenon? 
because that's going to speak to whether we can build it. Yeah. Um, so, so that's a very good question. Again, uh, I think that what we find out when we uh, when we are able to recreate some of the um, and we're really just in the beginning stages in a lot of cases. Um, things like uh, like like uh, um, at least semi-intelligence or, or components of what integrated uh, AI would look like. Uh, it shows more about um, about how the the magic that we see when we see consciousness. Uh, it, it, it brings it brings uh, it brings human consciousness closer to what we see in the machines rather than um, the other way around. Uh, you know, that is to say, um, I think that I think that it's um, maybe a little it, it, it uh, human human consciousness is, is certainly remarkable um, and and it's something that feels very uh, very special, very different from what um, maybe um, in, in, imperatively uh, constructed. Uh, um, uh, machine uh, uh, instructions are. Uh, there's another way of looking at it, though, which is that um, maybe by by seeing how um, how say a deep neural net is able to adapt to signals that are very sophisticated and maybe even um, almost impossible to to, um, to to really boil down. Um, it's actually it's actually uh, something that we do uh, that, or that we might imagine our brains are doing all the time, just at a far far larger magnitude of um, of parameters and and uh, and network connections. So it sounds like you're saying it may not be that machines are somehow ennobled with consciousness, but that we discover we're not actually conscious that we're not that they're you know that we're we're just uh, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, or or maybe something in the middle. Okay. Um, you know, our our personal our, our personal experience of, of consciousness and and what we um, what we see when we interact with other humans um, or other people more generally. Uh, there's no denying it, and I don't want to um, I don't want to discount how special that is. Um, at the same time, I, I think that uh, the the fact that that does in some ways um, that, that there's there's a much blurrier line um, is the best way to put it between uh, artificial uh, or at least, at least pre-artificial integrated artificial intelligence that we are just now starting to um, to get our arms around uh, and and what we actually see naturally so it shows called voices in AI so I guess I need to to, to, to get over there to that topic let's start with a really simple question, what is artificial intelligence? So until, until a couple of years ago, I, I would say that artificial intelligence uh, really, really is, is what we use for, uh, maybe now it's called integrated AI. So a, a um, dream of uh, using uh, you know, maybe several integrated techniques of machine learning to uh, create something that we might, we might uh, we we might mistake for or even accurately um, describe as as consciousness. Um, nowadays, it's a uh, it, the term artificial intelligence has I'd say probably been a little bit whitewashed or or, or um, diluted. Uh, you know, artificial intelligence can mean uh, any sort of machine learning or maybe even no machine learning at all. It's a it's a term that a lot of um, 
a lot of companies just put in their VC deck, uh, uh, and it could be something as simple as, as just using a logistic regression. Um, hopefully, hopefully a, a logistic regression that, has, uh, that uses gradients as uh, opposed to closed form uh, um, solution. But uh, yeah, right now, I think it's become kind of indistinguishable from just generic machine learning. I, 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 I obviously uh, agree, <laughs> but take just the idea that you have in your head that you think is legit. Is it artificial in the sense that art, artificial turf isn't really grass, it just looks like it? Or is it artificial in the sense we made it? In other words, is it really intelligence or is it just something that looks like intelligence? Mm, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure people bring up the turn test quite a bit uh, when, when, you, when you broach the subject. Um, you know, the turn test is is very very coarsely. Um, uh, you know, something. You know, how would you even know? How would you know the difference between um, something that's an artificial intelligence, something that's a bona fide intelligence, whatever bona fide means? Uh, and the uh, I think I think the Turing's point, or, or one way of thinking about Turing's point, is that th there there's there's really no way of of, of telling um, with with natural intelligences um, and that that again maybe speaks to the point that, that, that it's a very blurry line the, the difference between uh, between between uh, true or you know magic uh, soul pellet derived consciousness and um, and and what can be constructed maybe with machines uh, there, there's not a there's not a right distinction there and I think maybe um, what's really important is that uh, we probably shouldn't discount um, in, uh, ostensible intelligence that can happen with, uh, with machines any more than we should discount um, intelligence that we observe in humans. Yeah, Turing actually said, you know, a machine may do it differently, but we still have to say the machine is thinking. It, it just may be different, but he, he, I think, definitely would say it's, it's really smart. It's really intelligent. Um, and of course, the problem is we don't have a consensus definition even of intelligence, so it's it's uh it's almost intractable and so if somebody asks you what's the state of the art right now where are we at and again we're from henceforth we're going to use just your idea of what actual artificial intelligence is and if somebody said like where are we at uh, are we you know are we just starting or are we actually uh pretty doing some pretty incredible things and we're on our way to doing even more incredible things <laughs> uh, I, the answer, uh, my my answer is both. Uh, we are just starting. Uh, that being said, we we are far. Um, we we are we are much much further along than uh, than I would have guessed in twenty seventeen. So, and and when do you date kind of this? the end of the winter like when do you date that things really like what was there a watershed event or a technique or was it or was it a gradualism based on hey we got faster processors better algorithms more data like was there a moment when the the, the world shifted <laughs> um so so maybe yeah harkening back to to, to the discussion earlier um you know 
someone who comes from physics, uh, there's sort of like people call it, sometimes call it the miracle year. So for for Einstein, they published these three right. remarkable papers. Um, you know, roughly they yeah, just over just over a hundred years ago. Um, and and then uh, you know there 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 is uh, you know miracle year, and then, then there's also when the when finally was uh, was able to crack the crack crack the code uh, in uh, general relativity. Um, I don't think we can safely say uh, if there has been a miracle year uh, until far, far in the future um, when it comes to uh, to the the realm of deep learning and artificial intelligence. I can't say that that um, in particular with natural language understanding, when we're talking about um, about artificial intelligence, uh, you know, the ability to create machines that can capture semantics is uh, certainly a big part of that. The ability of machines to identify objects and to identify sounds and turn them into words, that's important. Um, and the ability for us to um, create algorithms that are able to solve physical tasks, that's also important. Um, but probably at the core of it is the ability for us to, um, to train machines to understand concepts, to uh, understand language, and to, um, to assign semantics effectively. Uh, one of the big pushes that's happened, I think, in, in the last several years uh, when it comes to that is, is, uh, is certainly the ability to uh, represent, uh, represent terms, represent uh, sequences of terms, sentences, and entire, entire paragraphs um, in, uh, in a mathematically, a rich mathematically uh, representable way that we can then do things. Um, that's been a big, a big leap, and a lot of the progress that we've seen with neural word embeddings, with uh, with sentence embeddings, with uh, you know, even as recently as a couple couple months ago, uh, some of the work with, um, with 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 sentence embeddings that's, that's coming out is certainly part of that uh, that watershed um, and that that move from um, from dark ages and trying to represent uh, natural language uh, in in a, in a, in a intelligible way to uh to where we are now and i think that we've only just begun so there's been a you know a long centuries-old dream in science to represent ideas and words and concepts as uh essentially mathematically so that they can be manipulated just like any anything else can be is that possible do you think um yeah so so i i one way of looking at the entire 20th century is uh is a, a gross failure in the ability to apodictically um, capture um, capture the way humans read it, capture uh, capture in 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 uh, Boolean uh, in in, the, in Boolean logic and, and the way we represent um, uh, we represent uh, you know first order logic or or, or um, more more directly in code um, that was a failure and it's not until we started thinking about the way we represent language in terms of um, the way concepts are actually uh, found in relation to one another, uh, training an algorithm to, uh, to, to read all of Wikipedia and then start embedding that with things like, um, you know, as simple as word to back. Uh, that's, that's been a big deal. The fact that by doing that, and now we can start capturing uh, everything from um, you know the the you know sentence embeddings that that 
uh, you know, it's so it's sobering, but uh, you know, we now have algorithms that can at least somewhat embed sentences and then detect things like logical uh, implications or um, logical equivalence or logical uh, uh, non uh, you know, the, or the absence of, of either. That's a huge step. And that's a step that I think um, we tried quite a bit to do, uh, to, to do, uh, in, or at least many tried to do uh, without experience and failed. So do you think that, do you believe that we're on a path to creating an AGI in the sense that um, all we need is kind of, you know, some advances in algorithms, some faster, faster machines and more and more data and all, and eventually we're going to get there? Or is AGI going to come about, if it does, from a hitherto unknown, presently unknown uh, approach, a completely different way of thinking about knowledge? <laughs> that's, that's difficult to speculate. Um, so, so let's let's take a step back. Five years ago, this five years ago, uh, if if you wanted to propose a deep learning algorithm uh, for an industry to solve to solve a very practical problem, um, you, the, the response you would get is uh, stop being too academic. Stop. Um, you know, let, let, let's focus on thing on, on something a little simpler, a little bit easier to understand. There's been a um, dramatic shift just in the last couple of years that now the expectation is if you're someone in, 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 in the sorts of roles that, that I'm in or, or some of my colleagues in, if you're not considering um, things like deep learning, then uh, you're not doing the job. And that that's that's something that. That, that seems to have happened overnight, but was really a gradual shift over, over the past several years. Does that mean that deep learning is the way? Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, what do you really need in order to create an artificial intelligence? Well, we have a lot of the pieces. Um, you need to be able to observe. You need to be able to observe maybe visually or, or, or um, you know, in, with sound. You need to be able to turn um, those observations into um, into concepts, so you need to be able to do object recognition visually, and honestly, deep learning has been very successful um, in, in, in solving those sorts of problems and doing uh, uh, doing object recognition, and, and more recently, and making that object recognition uh, uh, more stable under under uh, uh, adversarial uh, adversarial perturbation. Um, you need to be able to possibly uh, hear and 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 respond uh, and and. Uh, that's something that we've gotten a lot better too. And you know, seeing a lot of the work done out of uh, Baidu Research Labs has really been uh, fantastic in making that more effective. Um, you need to be able to not just uh, identify those words or those concepts, but also put them together and put them together not just in isolation, but um, in in the context of sentences. Uh, some of the words that some of the work that's coming out of um, out of Stanford and, and some of the some of the, the Stanford graduates, uh, um, uh, you know, so, so Einstein Labs is uh, now I'm sort of uh, at the forefront there um, is doing a very good job in capturing um, capturing not just semantics in the sense of um, you know what is a you know what is represented in this paragraph and how can I pull out the most important terms, but doing um, a, an a job of abstractive uh, uh, um, uh, text summarization, you know, being able to, to boil it down to terms and concepts that weren't even in the paragraph. Um, 
And you need to be able to uh, do some sort of reasoning. You need to be able to, uh, like this example I gave before, using sentence embeddings in order to be able to classify, um, you know, we're not there yet, but in, in order to classify it all, uh, hey, this sentence is related to this sentence, and, and this sentence might even entail this sentence. Um, and of course, if you, if you want to create, uh, if you want to create dialogues, so to speak, uh, you also need to be able to do uh, physical interactions. Um, all of these, all of these uh, solutions, uh, in, in many ways, have to do with um, the general genre of what's now called deep learning, uh, being able to add, uh, you know, parameters upon parameters upon parameters to your algorithm, so that you can really um, capture uh, capture what's going on in um, in these very sophisticated, very high dimensional uh, uh, um, spaces of tasks to solve. No one's really uh, gotten to the point where they can integrate all of them together. And I think, is that going to be what now is very generically called deep learning, um, which is really a host of lots of different techniques that uh, just use uh, high dimensional parameter spaces? Or is that going to be something completely new? <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to guess. So uh, there were a few things you left off your list, though. So presumably, you don't think an AGI would need to be conscious. That consciousness isn't part of our general intelligence. Uh, well, um, you know, uh, maybe that brings us back to where we started. Right, right. Well, how about creativity? I, I, that that yeah. wasn't that wasn't in your list either. Is that just computational from those basic elements you were talking about? Seeing, recognizing, mm -hmm. combining. So an important part of that is um, being able to work with language, I'd say. Uh, being able to, um, to do natural language understanding and do natural language understanding at, uh, at, at higher than the, uh, the word level, but at the uh, sentence level. Certainly anything that might be, um, might be whether you call it mistaken or um, identified as thinking, um, has got to have that as an Important component, as a second, I would say, necessary component, um, and being able to interact, being able to um, to hold conversations, be able to uh, to to abstract and, and draw uh, draw conclusions and inferences that aren't um, that aren't necessarily uh, there. Um, I'd, I'd say that that's probably the sort of thing that you would expect of a a conscious intelligence, whether it's uh, whether it's manifested in a person or manifested in a machine. So I should say manifested in a human or manifested in a machine. Right. So you mentioned the Turing test earlier. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, there are a lot of people who, who build chatbots and things that, you know, we're not there yet, but people are working, you know, on it. And I, I always type in uh, my one first question I type in. It's always the same. And I've never even felt found anything that even gets the question, let alone can answer it. The question is, what's bigger, a nickel or the sun? So two questions. One, why is that so hard? for a computer and two how will we solve that problem mm. i can imagine you know, so how would i bet it build a chatbot there uh, and, and i i have uh, worked on this sort of project in the past um one of the things that uh, I mentioned this uh, this allusion to miracle year and the, and the um, the advances that happened uh, in particular in 2013 with uh, figuring out ways of doing uh, neural word embeddings. Um, why is that so important? Um, one way to look at why that's so important is that 
when we're doing when we're doing machine learning in general, and this is really what what I tell my students. This is what um, what drives a lot of our design is uh, you have to manage the shape of your data. You have to make sure that um, the amount of examples you have, the density of data points you have, uh, is commensurate with the amount of degrees of freedom that you have in representing your your world, representing your model. Uh, until until very recently, there have been there have been attempts, but none of them as successful as we've seen in the last five years. Um, to you know, the, the 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 baselines have been what's called a one-hot vector where um, you have uh, you know a, a different dimension for every word in your language usually the round million words and you have um and, and you have all zeros and then and then for for the word uh you know maybe in the first dimension you take the first word in the, the in the dictionary to order them that way and you have the letter a and and or sorry the word a, which is spelled the letter a and that's that. Then it's a one and all zeros. And then for the second word, you have a zero and a one, and then the rest zeros. Um, and the, the point here, not, not to get too technical, is that uh, your dimensions are just viciously um, uh, too too many. Uh, you have millions and millions of dimensions. And uh, when you talk with uh, with students about about this, it's called the curse of dimensionality. Every time you add even one dimension, you, you need twice as many data points in order to uh, maintain the sense same density and maintaining that density is what you need in order to in order to abstract in order to generalize in order to come up with a um, an algorithm that can actually find a pattern uh, that works not just for the data that it's seen but for the data that it will see. What happens with these neural word embeddings? Well, they've solved the problem of the Christian dimensionality, or at least they've really um, they've really gotten their arms a lot, a lot further around than than ever before. Um, they, they, they're, they've enabled us to represent terms, represent concepts, not in term, not in these million-dimensional vector spaces where all that rich information is spread. It, it's still there, but it's spread so thinly across so many dimensions that you can't really find a signal in it as easily as um, as you can if it were only representing a smaller number of dimensions. And uh, that's what these embeddings do. Now, once you have uh, that dimensionality, once you've been able to compress into lower dimension, now you can do all sorts of things that you want to do with language that you just couldn't do before. Um, and that's, uh, that's part of why uh, we see this proliferation of chatbots. Well, chatbots uh, probably have something like this technology um, working under the hood. How does this, what does this have to do with your question? Um, these embeddings, for the most part, uh, happen by not by not by getting instructions. Well, nickels are this size, and they they uh, and, and they're round, and they're made of, uh, of, of this sort of uh, composite, and uh, and and they have a, a a picture of Hamilton stamped on the top. Um, that's not how you learn how to mathematically represent these words at all. What you do is you you feed the algorithm lots and lots of examples of usage and only usage. You let it read all of Wikipedia. You let it read all all of Reuters. And slowly but surely, what happens is the algorithms will start to see these patterns of co-usage and will start to learn how um, one word falls after another. And, uh, and, and what's, re what's really remarkable and, and, and sort of, um, you know, uh, could be profound, uh, or at least uh, I know that uh, uh, a lot of people would want to, would want to infer that. Um, is that the semantics kind of come out for free. 
you end up you end up seeing the geometry of the way these words are embedded uh, in such a way that uh, that you see the famous example is uh, a king uh, a king vector minus a uh, minus, minus a man vector plus a woman vector uh, equals a queen vector and, th and that actually bears out in how uh, how the machine can now represent the language and uh, and it did that without knowing anything about men women king or kings or queens just just by looking at frequencies of occurrence, how those words occur next to each other. Um, and so when you talk about, uh, about Nichols and, and the sun, um, my, my first thought, given that, that running start, is that, well, the machine probably hasn't seen a nickel and a sun in context uh, too frequently. And, and one of the dirty secrets about these neural embeddings is that, uh, is that, is that they, they don't do as well on very, very low frequency um, uh, uh, turns. And they don't always do well in uh, being able to embed low frequency uh, um, co-occurrences. And maybe it's just the fact that it hasn't really learned about, so to speak, it hasn't read about uh, nickels and suns in context together. So, I mean, it is an added wrinkle, like if you take a word like set, S-E-T, I think the OED has like two or three hundred definitions of it. Something you do, it's an object. You know, there's a, there's a Wikipedia entry on a, on a sentence, an eight word long grammatically correct sentence, which is buffalo, 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 which contains nouns, verbs, all of that. Like, is there any hope that if you took all the monkeys and all the universe, you know, typing, typing cogent and coherent sentences, would it ever be enough to, to, to train it to what a human can do? Um, so, so, so there's a couple of things there. I think one of the key, um, key points that, that you're making is that, um, words, uh, th there are homonyms in our language. Maybe that's it. And so, um, so, so work should be done in disambiguating um, the homonyms. Uh, and and there, there are, there, there are techniques, it's a, it's a serious problem for, for any natural language understanding um, projects. Uh, and, and uh, you know, the, 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 there, there are some examples out there, Sensevec is uh, one recently, which are aimed at disambiguating not just um, or, or not just identifying uh, you know, a word as spelled and, and then that, but also uh, disambiguating the, uh, the the usages or the context. Um, there are also uh, you know other algorithms that focus on not just uh, finding out how to mathematically represent um, how to pinpoint uh, uh, the representation of a word, but also how to represent the breadth of of, of, of their usage. So, so maybe um, imagine not a vector, but but a distribution uh, or a cloud that, that's maybe a little thicker uh, at the center point. Uh, and all of those, I think, are good are, are are steps in the right direction for capturing what is um, what is probably more representative of how. We use language, um, and since disambiguation, particularly with homonyms, uh, is a part of that. So uh, I only have a, a couple more questions in this kind of highly theor theoretical realm, then I want to kind of get down to the to the nitty gritty. Um, and if if you were, and I, I know it's, I'm not going to ask you to you know pick dates or anything, but but 
the nickel in the sun example, if you were just going to throw a number out, how many years is it until I type that question into something um, and, it, and it, it answers it? Is that like, oh, well, yeah, we could do it if we wanted to. It's just not a big deal. You know, give it a year. Or is it like, oh, no, that's kind of tricky. Wait, five years probably. Um, I, I, I think I remember hearing once, uh, never make a prediction. Right, right. Uh, oh, yeah, just, I, I, yeah. <laughs> is, it, is that a hard problem um, to solve or? It, um, so, so, so the nickel in the sun uh, is something that, uh, that, that it, I hesitate to say is probable in, in my lifetime. Uh, just to give a benchmark there, uh, violating that maxim. Um, I don't. I, I can't say exactly when. Uh, what I can say is that uh, the speed with which we are solving problems that I thought would take a lot longer to solve uh, is accelerating. To me, that um, that 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 while wow, it's a difficult problem and and there are there are several challenges that uh, you know we are still just scratching the surface in natural language understanding and uh, word uh, word representation in particular. Um, you know, words in context representation. Um, I. I, I I am optimistic. So, final question in, in this in this realm. Uh, I'm going to ask you my hard Turing test question. I wouldn't even give this to a bot, and and, and listen to it because it's it's going to sound like it's just another another one. This one doesn't play with language at all. So, uh, Doctor Smith is eating lunch at his favorite restaurant. Uh, he receives a call, takes it, and runs out. Um, without paying his tab, is management likely to prosecute? So you gotta be able to you know, infer, uh, it's his favorite restaurant, they probably know who he is, he's a doctor, that call was probably an emergency call. No, they're not gonna prosecute because that's you know, an understandable thing. Like that doesn't have any words that are ambiguous and yet it's an incredibly hard problem, isn't it? It is, and in fact, I think that is the um, that, that that is one of the uh, the, the true benchmarks, um, even, even more so than, than than comparing a nickel and a sun um, of 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 real genuine natural language understanding, which is this this um, it has all sorts of things. It has object permanence. Uh, it has tracking those objects throughout different sentences. It has um, you know orienting sequences of events. It has uh, you know management is only mentioned in that last sentence, which is a uh, which which is uh, you, you know you be able to sort of infer that management is somehow connected to um, the management of of of, of, of the of the restaurant. Um, that's uh, that 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 is a a, a super a, a super uh, hard one to solve for 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 any Turing machine. It's also something that we started to make progress on um, using. Uh, using LSTMs that that uh, that do several passes through sequence of sentences, uh, the classic artificial set, uh, data set that um, that uh, that natural language understanding um, uh, 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 scientists like to use the, it's, you know, the Facebook uh, BABI uh, data set, which actually is out there to, to, to help. I use as a benchmark for training these sorts of object permanence and multi-sentence thread um, problems, and and you know, we made we made modest modest gains uh, uh, in that. Um, you know, there there are algorithms like the Ask Me Anything algorithm, others that that have shown that it's at least possible 
to start tracking objects over time and with several passes actually come up with the right answer to um, to questions about uh, about objects and sentences uh, across several different statements. So now pulling back to the here and now and, and what's possible and what's not, um, our audience are, are, are business people and they're, did you, uh, before I do this, did you ever expect AI to just become part of the kind of the daily conversation just to be part of the popular culture and the way it is now? <laughs> um, about as much as I expect in a couple years, uh, AI is going to be uh, a term much like big data, which is to say overused. Um, right. you know, I think I think the sort of AI and this goes back to an earlier comment. The sort of AI that that, that you and I have been have been uh, dancing around in this fully integrated AI um, is is not what we talk about when we talk about uh, you know daily conversation now, um, and for the most part, not when we talk about it in this context. Uh, and so so. It might be a little bit of a uh, of, of a uh, false success or, or, or a spurious uh, um, um, usage of, of AI in, in as much frequency as we see it uh, in the year 2017. Um, that doesn't mean that we haven't made remarkable advances. It doesn't mean that, in particular, the advances that I've mentioned in deep learning aren't important and aren't very very plausibly a uh, an early uh, an, an early uh, step or, or set of steps on, on the path. Um, I do think that it, it's a little bit of hype, though. So if you're a business person and you're hearing all of this talk and, and you, you want, I mean, you want to do something that's real and it's uh, mm -hmm. actionable and you walk around your business and you go department to department, you go to HR and you go to marketing and you go to sales and you go to, to development and you go to walking around, looking around. Um, how do you spot something that would be a good candidate uh, for the tools we have today? Something that's real and actionable and no hype. Ah, well, uh, I, I feel like that, 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 is the, that is the job I do all the time. Um, you know, we're constantly uh, meeting with, uh, with, 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 with new companies, with uh, you know, for, Fortune 500 CEOs and uh, C-suite execs, uh, and talking about the problems that they, that, that they want to solve um, and, and, and thinking about ways of solving them. Um, you know, like like uh, I, I think a best practice is to always keep it simple. Um, there are uh, there are a host of free uh, deep learning ad um, uh, uh, techniques for doing all sorts of things: classification, clustering, uh, user item matching. Um, uh, that that are still tried and true, and should probably be done first. Um, and then there are um, now a lot of great paths to using these more sophisticated algorithms uh, that mean that you should be considering them early. Um, you know. How exactly to consider one case or the other? I, I suppose that part of that is practice, and that's actually one of the things when uh, when I talk to students uh, about about what they're learning is um, they're they're learning how to uh, how to walk away with not just oh I know what the algorithm is, I know what the objective function is, and I know what gradient descent is, and how to manage um, manage momentum in the right way as it's uh, as it's optimizing that function, uh, but also how to uh, how to see the similarity between matching uh, 
uh, matching users and items uh, in a recommender, or um, abstract, abstracting uh, the, the, the latent semantic uh, association with a, a bit of text or with a uh, with with, a, with, a, with an image. Uh, and, and there are similarities. There are deep fundamental isomorphisms which, with certain with certain algorithms that solve all of those problems. Um, and that's in a lot of ways that's practice. You know, when the when the when the web first came out, um, the consumer web, and you know it became popularized. Uh, people had you know kind of a a web department, which would be a, an crazy thought today, right? Like because it's it's air now. Um, do you advocate that? I mean, because everything I read about you, everybody says you're practical, and so from a practical standpoint, do you? Do you think companies ought to have a, um, you know, a, an AI task force and have somebody whose job it is to do that? Or is it more the kind of thing that it's going to gradually come kind of department by department by department? Or is it, is it, is it prudent to put all of your kind of thinking in, you know, in one war room, as it were? Mm. Um, so, so, so yeah. This, this general uh, question of how, how, what's the best way to do organizational uh, design um, with machine learning teams? Uh, and the, the the first answer is uh, there. There are several right ways, and there are a couple wrong ways. Um, certainly, some of the wrong ways are these, uh, you know, early days uh, um, pictures where you you have a a data science team that is completely isolated is only responsible for sort of like R and D work, prototyping certain use cases, and then they um, they they, they uh, turn a phrase you hear often and throw it over the wall to engineering to go implement it, and I'm done with this project. Uh, that's wrong. Uh, there are there are several right ways, and those right ways usually involve um, bringing bringing the people who are working on machine learning closer to production, closer to engineering, and also uh, bringing uh, the people uh, involved in, in uh, engineering and production uh, closer to the machine learning. So uh, maybe, uh, you know, overall blurring those lines. You can do this with vertical integrated small teams. You can do this with um, with, with, with peer teams. You can do this with uh, a mandate that, that uh, in some larger companies like Google are, are really focused on maybe making all their engineers into machine learning engineers. Uh, and and I think all the strategies can work. It also depends on or also depends on the the size and the context of your business and the kind of leadership you have. And and, and depending on those those variables, uh, it, it there 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 are uh, among the several solutions there might be one or two that are uh, are most optimal. So you're the chief data science officer at TACT, spelled T-A-K-T, and it's T-A-K-T dot com if, if uh, anybody wants to go there. What, what uh, does TACT do? So we do the uh, back-end machine learning for large-scale enterprises. So um, you know, many of the listeners might, for instance, use, uh, go to Starbucks and um, use the app to, to pay for, 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 uh, for Starbucks coffee. Uh, we do all of the um, machine learning personalization for, um, for the offers, for the games, for the, uh, for the recommenders in that app. Uh, and uh, and, and you know, we, uh, the way we approach that is by, is by creating a whole host of different algorithms, different use cases. And maybe goes back to your earlier question of, um, of abstracting those, thing, those same techniques for many different use cases. Uh, and then 
apply that for for each individual customer we find the uh, the, the list com completion use case the uh, the uh, recursive um, uh, neural network approach where there's a time series of uh, opportunity where you can um, have an interaction with uh, with an end user and then uh, learn from that interaction and then follow up with another interaction and doing, uh, doing things like uh, reinforcement learning or to uh, you know, do several interactions in a row, which may or may not get signal back, but have been trained to uh, to work toward the goal um, uh, over time without that direct feedback signal. So this is the same sort of algorithms that, uh, for instance, uh, were used to train AlphaGo to win a game, even though you only get that feedback at the end of the game when you when you won or lost. Um, we 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 take all of those different techniques and and uh, embed them in different ways for these large. Uh, large enterprise industry customers. So are, are you a product company, a service company, a SaaS company? Like how does all that manifest? Uh, we, we are a, uh, a product company. Um, we, we do uh, tend to focus on the larger enterprises, which means that, uh, that there's a little bit of customization involved, but there's always going to be some customization involved when it comes to machine learning. Um, Unless, unless it's, a, it's just a suite of tools, which we are not. Um, and what that, what that means is that you, you do have to train and apply and uh, have to just the right kinds of use cases for the, uh, the suite of tools that we have, machine learning tools that we have. Two more questions, if, if I may. Uh, you mentioned Cylons earlier, uh, Battlestar Galactica reference to those uh, who um, don't necessarily uh, watch it. What, what science fiction do you think gets the future not, not right? Like when, when you watch it or read it or, or what have you, you think, huh, yeah, things could happen that way. I see that. <laughs> well, um, you know, the, the, the physicist in me still, uh, still is both hopeful and uh, skeptical about, uh, about uh, faster than light travel. So uh, I, I, I suppose that that's what not really be. <laughs> The, the the point of your question uh, you, you mean more with, uh, with computers and with artificial intelligence. Right, like her uh, or yeah. um, ex machina or or what have you. Um, you know, you know, I it, it, it's tough to say which of these like real like you know conscious um, conscious being uh, robots uh, is the most accurate. Uh, I think that there's there are things worth um, worth observing that that already have have happened. Star Trek, uh, you know, we we created iPads way before they had them in Star Trek time. So good for good for reality. Um, we also uh, have uh, all sorts of devices. Uh, I I, uh, I I remember. Uh, when uh, in the, the 80s, today myself, uh, Star, Star Trek, uh, the, the, the movie Star Trek come out and Scotty gets up in front of a computer, an 80s computer, and picks up the mouse and starts speaking into it and saying, computer, please do this. And um, my son will, will not get that joke um, because he can say, hey, Siri, or OK Google, or um, Alexa, or whatever, whatever the device is, and, uh, and, and the computer will respond. And that's... Uh, I, 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 I like to focus on those, those smaller ones maybe on that, uh, that we are uh, dramatically in, in many cases much quicker than, um, 
much quicker than, than, than forecasted in some cases, uh, able to accomplish that. Uh, I did see an example the other day about, um, about how uh, the uh, Space Odyssey uh, artificial intelligence, which um, is able to, uh, I, I think that the, the, uh, the speaker's example was that um, people were mystified that this, that this computer program could, could be a human in chess, but didn't blink an eye um, that, uh, that, that the computer program could not only hold a conversation, but has a, 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 a very sardonic disposition towards the, <laughs> towards, towards, towards the main character. Um, and that's, that's probably a good, uh, that, that very well captures um, this, this uh, dichotomy of several things are, are um, very likely to be captured and, 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 and we can get to very quickly. Uh, and other things that we don't, that we might've thought were easy, uh, um, take quite a lot longer than we expected. And then final question, overall, and are, are you an optimist or, or like people worry about this technology, not just to kill a robot scenario, but they worry about jobs and they worry about, um, I mean, do you, what, what do you think just broadly speaking as, as this technology unfolds, uh, do you see us going down a, a dystopian path or are you optimistic about the future or what? Um, so, so yes, I've spoken about this before a little bit. Um, I don't, I don't want to say I hope, I hope that uh, that Skynet will not uh, launch a bunch of nuclear missiles. Uh, that, that I, I, I can't, I can't really speak with confidence on whether that's a true risk or just uh, still a, a, an exciting storyline. Um, what I can say is that the uh, the displacement of service jobs um, by automated uh, automated machines is a very um, a, a very uh, clear and 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 imminent reality, and that's something that uh, I'd like to think that uh, that, that uh, politicians and, and and governments and and uh, everybody really should be thinking about. In particular, um, how we think about education. Uh, the the most important skill that we can give our children is teaching them how to code, how to understand uh, how, 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 uh, how, how computer programs work. And uh, that's something that we really just are not doing enough, uh, enough of yet. And, and, and so, so um, will Skynet uh, nuke everybody? I don't know. Um, is it the case that I, uh, I, I at, my, at six years old, teaching my, my son how to code already? Uh, absolutely, and I think that that will be a big difference—a uh, big, uh, make a big difference in the future. But wouldn't wouldn't coding be something relatively easy for an AI? I mean, isn't that going to um, be like? I mean, it's going to get even more. It's just natural language. Tell it what you want it to do, and 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 your and your computers that program themselves. Uh, it's, a, it's a good question. I, uh, so you're not going to suggest your, uh, I think you mentioned your son, uh, be a philosophy major at Columbia. <laughs> um, you know what, as long as he uh, knows his math and he knows how to code, he can do whatever he wants. All right. Well, we'll leave it on that note. This was absolutely fascinating, Mike. I want to thank you. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Well, thank you. This was fun. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you want to learn more about the latest innovations in artificial intelligence and machine learning, we suggest you visit our friends at ARM at arm.com.